Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Up up on today's edition of Sunday Edition here on Joe 99.7 FM. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera. Pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500. Hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Clems, a wonderful evening going out to you. Abigail Agbagba. My sister, I say I love you. Now also going out to you, Leonard Akon of the International Justice Mission IJM. Wonderful evening to you and your children, Ayeyi and Perez. Super evening going out to you, um, Perez. Yeah, Perez. And also good evening going out to you, Larry Agbado. From all of us in the joint newsroom, we say wonderful evening going out to you. Bye bye. My name is Maxwell Agbaba. Just like the wind is high, the warrior fights. 
Good evening and welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to tonight's edition of Springboard, your virtual university. Tonight, I have a very special show for you. Let's start from the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 24, that says, Faithful is he who has called you who also will do it. And why is that verse important? Let me start with very dedications to Sewa Akutu. Yes, Sewa Akutu, you celebrate your 40th birthday and we join Ishra and the whole family to Ishra and the whole family to thank God for your life. Also to Eva Mens of the Ministry of Finance. It's your birthday today. Enjoy it as well. My name is Albert Okren and I'm doing this with the support of the Virtual Academic Board, chaired by Comfort and featuring Matthew, Priscilla, Amos, Jojo, and Emmanuel. Tonight we matriculate you into a brilliant week where your dreams will come true in the areas of career, finance, talent, relationships, education, health, and emotional well-being. Springboard is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy and your superstation Joy 99.7 FM. This broadcast is made possible by our partners working with us all year through MTN. MTN Pulse Just Be, the Enterprise Group Enterprise Your Advantage, UMB Bank, UMB Speed Up, Digibank Let's Go, and the Access Pension Trust, your reliable partner in pensions. A good evening to our friends at the Graphic business for being our print media partner thank you to you all out there for joining us here on springboard your virtual university so in the middle of march this year COVID 19 hit the shores of ghana and changed our lives in a remarkable way and a lot of discussion has been held about the statistics infection rates death rates etc but today we switch the button to the other side we go behind the scenes and celebrate the professionals who make life easy for all of us so we turn our attention off the regular discussions about whether we are doing enough in the fight and say thank you to those who have laid their lives on the line those whose families have lent them to us as it were to ensure that we live and do not die we say listen we want to celebrate you for what you do we want to appreciate you for what you do tell us what goes on behind the scenes and in building up to this program we found out some amazing stories about people leaving home and being away from home for a month husbands having to ask their families to vacate the house because of the risk involved is such an amazing discussion and we have six healthcare professionals helping us to appreciate the various dynamics and tonight if you if you know somebody who should be listening and is not listening call them to tune in because this promises to be very special ahead of that this afternoon we asked you to send names of medical practitioners you want to celebrate and we have almost 400 of them lined up how do you celebrate 400 people but the names are still flowing in by the minute that just tells us that people appreciate what health professionals are doing so tonight is our day it's the day for the health professionals celebrating you appreciating you but also asking you to help us to understand what goes on behind the scenes let me start by bringing on the core minute and the core minute gives you an update on the core the call program that we are running here at Springboard in partnership with the MasterCard Foundation and Solidaridad. Springboard Roadshow Foundation in partnership with the MasterCard Foundation and Solidaridad present CORE, the COVID-19 Recovery and Resilience Program. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CORE program. My name is Erica Dumfriqua Dixon. Today, I want us to have a conversation about dealing with the unexpected. Because we haven't planned for them, unexpected situations often shake us or destabilize us. We are therefore forced to make adjustments in order to be able to cope with the situation properly. Coping with the situation starts with our thoughts. A presentation of call the COVID-19 Recovery and Resilience Program. All right, so on today's, on this week's call program discussion, it will be about dealing with the unexpected and you will learn some 10 very helpful tips for dealing with those things that just disrupt your life. And the, the presentation is by Dr. 
Erica Danfrequa, Dixon of the Ghana Psychological Association. Look out for the core presentation on our, our media partners, including Joy News here in the Multimedia Group and Hits FM, along with 29 other stations across the country and also on the core website, core.com.gh. And if you're an MTN user, that means that when you go to the core website, whatever you download, you download for free with zero data because it's absolutely zero rated. Let me bring on board Dr. Titus Bayou of the Ghana Medical Association. He's an Opsen Guinea specialist. And then also, let me bring on um, Dr. Jifa Day for status. Hello, good evening. Hello. Hello, good evening. All right, so I don't have them yet as yet on the line. Let me swing over to my other line and bring aboard on board Dr. Rada Hackman. Dr. Yeah. Hackman, oh, good I can Rada, Rada, you are coming on soon. All right, all right, so all right. Can, can hear you. Hello, Dr. Rada, Dr. Rada Hackman, good evening. Good evening. Thank you. Let me start Good by evening. saying... Good evening. Is this Albert? It's Albert, yes. Rather, let me start by saying a big thank you to Hi. you on behalf of our listeners for your amazing contribution to this fight against COVID. But let's start with let's start with how you got involved and the picture from the front line, Rada. Whoa. Um, first of all, I'm a general practitioner. I... Um, I work, I own and work a private practice in Accra called Dua Clinic. It's an asylum down. So, um, um, back in January, when I think, you know, the whole COVID thing started in December, I wasn't paying too much attention then because my son was getting married in the first week of January. So, it was after the wedding, I think maybe towards the end of the first week in January that I really got, you know, um, should I say, um, in tune with what was happening in the, in the, in the rest of the world. So um, I remember the first Ghana Health Service alert or, you know, information from Ghana Health Service um, was sometime in the middle of January. And just about then I decided to do a bit of um, education on, on Facebook. That's, that's my favorite platform for doing that. So I started, you know, reading around the subject and then telling people what, what um, signs and symptoms to look out for and what to do to prevent it. And about then, you know, my clinic is already involved in um, taking nasal and oral, well, nose and throat swabs, let me put it, you know, in a more easy to understand manner, nose and throat swabs for influenza in Accra. This is something we've done since H1N1, you know, in 2009. So we continue to do that. And the case definition then was um, if anybody with flu symptoms had a temperature of 38 degrees and higher um, to take swabs from the nose and swabs from the throat and send them to Noguchi for testing. So we got involved in the whole testing thing um, Sometime in January, I remember towards the end of January, WHO declared it, you know, a pandemic of um, international um, importance or something along those lines. So we've continued um, swabbing for COVID testing since since then to date. Dr. Akma, let me find out from, from you, um, how much disruption has your life experienced uh, in this year in particular, in your practice as a result of this pandemic? Oh, it's been totally different. Totally, totally different. Um, I think things changed around March when we we diagnosed, or when Ghana got our first two cases of, of COVID. And I think that led to um, quite a bit of panic <laughs> Quite a bit of panic, and eventually that led to some restrictions on our movements, social distancing. We, you know, all these were new buzzwords: social distancing. And um, I think uh, towards the end of March was when visitors into the country were quarantined, and um, that led to um, the lockdown of Accra and Kumasi. 
So people were quite scared to come to the clinic. So, the, I mean, the waiting room completely emptied. There was almost nobody in the waiting room. We'd see one or two people because people are just too scared to come to the clinic. And even if they did, it was just to pick up medicines. But you see, along, around this time, we were supposed to, um, visitors who had come into the country from the 3rd of March were supposed to get tested for, um, for COVID. And um, those who tested positive had some contact tracing done around them. So the clinic was empty inside, but outside where we did um, the, the, took swabs for testing, that was very busy. We had quite a few people coming in every day um, to test. So that kept us busy. That puts us at risk because between March and April, we we got maybe about four or five positive um, out of maybe about 60, 70 that we tested around then. Um, let me so, go to you. So let me let, what, what hold changed? on. Right, I'll come back to you. I'll come back okay. to you shortly. But let me go to Doctor Ama Cherua Edwin. Ama, you're a clinical psychologist, and that means that you get to appreciate beyond the medical side of things, the psychosocial, the mental, and all and all the other issues. Tell me how how much fear, how much anxiety, how much worry people have had to deal with as a result of this pandemic. Okay, thank you so much um, for this. And I think Rada has started on a good note. For me, I can tell you about the fear by telling you about how I got involved in this. My involvement started on the 7th of February when I got a call from the Minister of Foreign Affairs and Regional Integration that I should expect a call from the from Ghana's ambassador in Beijing because the students had been agitating and they wanted me to help calm down. So from then on, in fact, when I started, it was easier because the students were, the plan was they were going to be evacuated. And then the plan changed, if you remember. So a lot of them were angry. You had students in... Wuhan and Hubei province and even the bigger, the larger country as a whole who would tell you about being in their hostel and seeing bodies because most of the people I dealt with or those who had a lot of issues were medical students. The medical schools are just like maybe Kolibu where it's on the hospital, your hostel is on the hospital and they could see things. So Fear was one thing. The fact that this thing is real. They see bodies. They didn't believe the numbers that were being reported because they thought that if it was that, they shouldn't. At least one facility alone, you shouldn't see so many bodies being carried out. Eventually, that access was blocked. But fear was a huge thing. The sense of helplessness, because initially we're expecting to come home. Now you're telling us we can't come. This is the epicenter of it. Do you care about us? Do you really know what we are going through? You feel helpless. They had panic attacks. They couldn't sleep. Then anger. Oh, anger. I remember one student, I was on the phone, or not phone, WhatsApp. No, WeChat for three hours at a time because he was so angry he was so upset he was so agitated and being a medical student who was in a clinical year he understood the basic sciences and he understood the clinical picture so the fear was very real but up till the middle of march it was mainly that and i remember waking up on friday the 13th of march and my husband's like we've got two and I'm like, we've got two of what? He said, two cases. There was a press conference. Usually I usually stay um, sleep after midnight. But I think that day I had been on a call to China for most of the day. And I was really tired. So I slept early. So I'm like, okay, here we come. Just two weeks prior to that too, I had moved from Ho to Accra to UGMC. And when I got to UGMC, the first thing I asked is, how COVID prepared are you? What's your preparedness? What is this? And they had done a lot. So the fear that was already here, how do we deal with it? You are 
a facility that everybody's eyes, even before it came, people felt that ah, it wasn't being used, so it should be one of the places. So they had been preparing, but before we even talk about the fear of the ordinary person or the people out there, the fear within the community, the medical community. I was going to come to that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get to the, the behind the scenes. Do you feel? Do you sometimes feel afraid yourself? I'm on, on on the job. Oh, I will tell you. I will tell you an uh, an experience that I had that I've shared. I don't mind sharing. I think the on. Um, the first, the last batch of people who left the hotels, I think it was on 6th April or no, 6th, I'm forgetting the day. But the last batch of people who were mandatorily quarantined, who tested positive, were brought to UGMC. So there were, we had about 20, just about three of them were negative, but they were couples and um, children whose parents were. So they all came with them. And on the following day we're supposed to go and talk to them so a colleague and i we don't and just before we went in someone said oh ama your ppe is torn i wanted to go and change it but someone said oh you're just going to talk to the people for 15 minutes and it's just the lower part so going and i own it i decided to go in nobody forced me i went in we were okay the people were angry it took us almost two hours I was okay. I wasn't even conscious of the fact that I had breached protocol and was inside. And sometimes you're talking to them, you're facing them before you know someone would sneak from behind. They were really testing us. So when we came out, I was like, thank God it's over. It was when I was doffing and I got to removing my coverall. I was like, what have I done? So just when I was driving out, it was about 6.30, I felt so afraid. So I stopped and I felt I should call Prophet Anno to pray with me. And I called him on and on the second ring, he picked up. So I told him what had happened and he prayed with me. He prophesied over me. And then I was calm. I was able to come from because I didn't even know what I was going to tell Frank because I'm like, both of us, we, we talked about it. Both of us are doctors. We cannot both get infected all happened to her children but when i came and told him he also prayed with me and i felt calm but there was another time that i was helping a woman who had come in with her husband both positive the husband had died she asked whether she wanted to see the body and i said yes we had arranged that but because i was at a distance i hadn't done i was just in an n95 and then i had a gun and everything and she had been crying and rolling on the floor and everything and i wanted to i mean you know you are a reverend minister too and you know that the gift of presence is a unique thing and with the gift of presence you have to be physically present with a person it's difficult to give the gift of presence to someone when you are so far away so i kept moving closer and then anytime i moved someone behind me say dr edwin you're going too close but i i was torn between helping her and being so mindful of my own protection by just told me that God, you know, she needs, she's also your daughter. She needs someone to be close to her. Another colleague had done. So I was taking her through. I said, hold her, put your arm around her while I talk through to her. A few days after that, my throat was itching. I had fever. I mean, I didn't think it was long story short. I tested and it was negative, but that was also a difficult time, but I didn't regret it because I felt I was in that space. I couldn't bring her husband back, but I could be with her while she was crying and trying to kiss her husband goodbye. The mortuary men were on her. They wanted to take the body, but I felt she needed time. And I work, my clinical practices in palliative care, and these things matter. It helps with closure. So after again, when I was going home, I was mindful of that. But I reminded myself that I had not been risky i had not been careless i had been there for someone who needed help i mean beyond words my being there made a difference and so i calmed myself down i prayed and to date i haven't tested positive if i'm positive and i didn't test enough become negative i don't know but these are examples where you you it's in your face you know and then you think about your family so what happens to your 
children, what happens to your husband, what happens to your close friend. And there have been people who are close to me who have been infected. So this thing is real. It's not just from the professional side, but from the family side as well. I have also been through it. And I remember when someone so close to me, in fact, three of them got involved. One day I was at work, someone asked me a question and I started crying. It had nothing to do with even COVID. So it was a colleague, Susan, who was with me and he said, Mama, you are stressed. I think you should go home. And that has also been great, having people look out for you. Having people look out for you. You know, because Mama, as you describe, just, as you describe what you describe, I mean, you brought tears to my eyes. And really, what you've done is give us a chance to to in my mind's eye, I could literally picture this woman you were describing, even though I never got to know her or see her, but you, you're such a good storyteller. You, you've told the story so well that I literally can see the woman that you described. I, I hope she made it. The woman made it. Her husband died when they arrived. I mean, I think the husband actually died before we could even get her, but she made it. But imagine you both positive, you're coming, you and it, it, it was it was devastating. But she she let let me thank you on behalf of the of the woman. Let me thank you so much, Amma. And by extension, Rada, and by extension, Titus and and Jifa and mm. and and Dennis and Della and all medical professionals. We have lots of people saying thank you to you. And Amma, your name kept coming up, Rada. Your name kept coming up in the list over and over and over. You may not know this, but for the people that you help, they are grateful. I'm going to be bringing Titus on very shortly as as, as well as Jifa. But come for let me come to your your list. It's so long. Let's allow at least a, a ten or so. Let's say a bit a few thank yous to medical practitioners and then we'll go over to Titus and to Jifa. Come on, take it away. Right, so we have Dr. Sumpa Nelson um, channel um, your let's, let's, just, let's, just do the, let's just do the doctors or okay. the, the medical okay. practitioners so we can get it. Okay, yes. so we have Dr. Soji Tete and then we have um, Delali Amayao and we have um, some, Dr. Joseph Sam of Samala Clinic Accra we also have. Um, Blaze is getting quite a number of dedications. I know, right? <laughs> All right, so Blaze, good evening to you. We have, Your fans are plenty. <laughs> we have Dr. Joe Boni, Dr. Anastasia Bruce, Abi Amma Opoku, um, Efua Ansa, Dr. Robert Asari, Maxwell Ajay, Dr. Juliet Bosom Pim. Give us one more. And then Dr. Equia Kisi, Juliana Agbasa, Rex Jokoto, and Judith Nyamog Jagome. All right. So th- that's the first list of people we want to say a big thank you to. And trust me, come for if I give you a chance, you go out till, till, till the night oh, is out. But let's. Let's go over to Jifa Day, who has a very interesting story about how she's managing her family in this very interesting situation. Hello, Jifa. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Listening to Ama, I'm sure she's telling half your story. <laughs> well, I think we all have our unique stories there. <laughs> um, I think Ama is, is, is a superwoman. She's all over the place. Um, helping so many um, centers. Um, we've all tried to um, do things in our ways in which we hope that it would help uh, mitigate situations a bit. So, so you're a rheumatologist, and that's that's not that's not in the same area that Ama is in. But I'm interested in in the impact on you as a person. If uh, if you had to describe this year with one word in your practice as a doctor, let me push you to the wall. What would that word be? One word for the year twenty twenty as a medical practitioner. I would say, hmm, can I choose two? <laughs> oh, all right, buy one get one free. <laughs> Innovation and resilience. All right, I would have chosen crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Jifa, Jifa, I, I spoke to your I spoke to your husband the last time, and it, mm-hmm. it coincided with the time when your family was bereaved. And I asked him, mm-hmm. and he was broken, and he wouldn't mind me saying this. And I asked him, yeah. "Is Jifa with you?" She says, "I haven't seen her for quite a while because of yeah. because of COVID. She lives yeah. in a separate place." Tell me about that arrangement. 
So, well, uh, when this um, pandemic started, I mean, we as a family had to come to a sort of um, decision as to how best we could make sure we reduce the risk um, to um, ourselves. Um, at the same time, enable me to offer uh, my best um, at work. Um, Lately, when we um, first started, we developed some shift system at work where you do, we divided ourselves into teams where you come in for a week, you are off for a week. Um, It sounds like it's less work, but it's actually more work because the week you are off, you're still working. But um, the reasoning was hoping that you are exposed less if one team is infected, the other team can take over, and then you use less PPEs. So um, looking at that scenario, we decided that um, probably I forced it on them. Luckily, we have um, a separate place where they can also go and stay, and I chose to stay where um, it was closer to um, my workplace that is in Kolebu. And so the time that I'm off, or I am sure that I haven't been exposed or been quarantined or in isolation, then I go and go and see them. Then if I am on for that week or I'm on or I'm quarantining because I've been exposed, then I choose to stay in um, Dansuman until the risk is over or I have clear answers as to um, whether I'm risky to them or not. So we've been kind of managing up and down between two households for quite a bit. And yes, it can be can be quite strenuous on them and, and me as well. How did the children take it? Um, in the beginning, I think they, they were, they always think that being a doctor is such a, a horrible thing. They don't think it's glamorous at all. But it's always been, oh, you keep long hours, this work, I'm not going to do it. So I think apart from the last child who is interested in medicine, the rest are absolutely not interested because they don't think it's the lifestyle they want. But I think this pandemic exposed them to a new perspective that this is actually a risky job. They had never thought that it was risky to me or to them. So I think they got a little bit anxious and fearful. It had to take a lot of talking to reassuring them. They got reading, and so that helped. And so in the beginning, once they were also kind of excited to be away and doing something independently. But over time, um, I think separation anxiety has also kind of set in now. Um, they tend to, especially after uh, my last episode of, of um, risk, they, I think, got quite worried. And so um, a bit of clinging <laughs> has come in, a bit of more fear has come in. So we keep having to reassure them that, hey, God is in control. Um, we, are, we are doing our best to keep safe. And we have to just keep reassuring them. You, you, you describe your, 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 your last episode of exposure almost as if it's, a, it's an episode like a drama episode that is, that's quite scary i mean without telling me the results how, how many times how many times have you been tested i've been tested uh, three times the fourth time was positive so that was my last exposure in fact that was the time i decided i wasn't going to test again so the last time was positive so <laughs> that's when they got a bit fearful because now they were like okay this must be yeah, something. It was real now that something could happen. You know. Do Do you feel Do you feel that we've we've taken your 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 life as it were away from you? I think this. I I wouldn't say they've taken my life away from me, um, but it's just brought. Um, the realization, the reality that this is what you really signed up for as a doctor. You cannot um, check your duty at this time because you've realized that this is the situation. And I unfortunately lost a relative at the beginning of this pandemic because people were scared to see him. And so care was not as good as it should be. 
So early on in, in this, I made a conscious um, effort or decision that I would not let the collateral damage of this disease affect the care that I give to people who do not necessarily have COVID, but other have other comorbid problems who also need the care that they have. So um, you still have to do your best. Um, you have to examine the patient, um, even though you know that it is probably a potential patient. You have to um, do what you can to make sure that it, even if there's COVID, if there's not, am I managing this patient to give him the best chance that he or she would survive? So, yes, there's been a lot of disruption, but it is what we were called or signed up to do. And so we have to do it to the best of our ability. And and I don't think it is only as doctors. There are a lot of people too who have been affected as well. You guys call it the Hippocratic Oath. Am I correct? Yes. So, so after all that you describe, the disruption in your own personal life, Dealing with um, dealing with infection, dealing with losing a loved one because of fear people have of getting near a patient, resulting from either ignorance or just a general fear, and all that you describe. If you had to do it again, would you still be a doctor? I will still be a doctor. <laughs> I will still be a doctor. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, COVID is just um, a few. <laughs> months out of the number of years that we can do other extraordinary things. Um, I think it's also, people look at it as um, crazy as you said, or a year where nothing is going on. But I think on reflection, there are a lot of good things that have come out of this situation as well. And I try to keep my, my eyes on those ones and see how best um, we can manage the situation. If I can say thank you enough on behalf of those that you lay your life on the line for, and trust me, the patients, the families, the people that you sacrifice for, they really do appreciate. And on behalf of Team Springboard, let's say a big thank you to you for, for lack of a better word, laying your life on the line for this country and for the people of this country. We celebrate you. Thank you so much. Stay on the line and let's cross over to a man who is always doing advocacy, but who is himself a practitioner because many times you forget that he may be GME, but he also is, is a practitioner. Titus, good evening. Good evening, Albert, and good evening to my colleagues on the other line. Your colleagues have done a good job of giving us a picture of a picture of the situation with COVID. You, you share the same situation with, with Amma, where you are a doctor and your wife is also a doctor. Has your, has your family had to go through some of these drastic measures that we just described? Yes. A different perspective, an interesting way. Um, somehow, somehow, my wife is expected. And what a year for a doctor's wife who is in the front line to be expected. So you can imagine that uh, she herself then becomes a more vulnerable person. Um so at some point, she's protected from bed while expecting mothers to stay off work. And then I now pose as an, um, an ever-present danger to her because every day I used to go to operate and come back. And so uh, our life story is quite different. So anytime I come home, I have to go through a whole ritual of disinfection um, to minimize her risk. My, my kids called her the hand-washing police. And it goes beyond hand washing. I have to disinfect my shoes. I have to undress at the right place. I have to take a shower. In fact, if I clear my throat while brushing my teeth, she says, hey, have you brought it home? And, and that's, that's, how kind of, that's the kind of life we are living now. Titus, are you able to decouple your work? as w- w- Help me again. Your, your, your role in the GMA, you are the, the vice, is it the vice president? 
No, the Deputy General Secretary. Deputy General Secretary, correct. Yes. So let's decouple your role from the GMA, which typically would involve being a spokesperson and so yeah. on, and then you being an actual practitioner on the front line. Do yeah. you, do you, I asked them about fear. Do you personally also have your own fears? Other indeed, I do. I do. In fact, I, I am one of the first people to have been really scared. Uh, by this virus. Even before Ghana reported its first case, I think around the 6th of March thereabout, I had a patient who had planned to come to Ghana for a surgery and traveled from the U.S. to Ghana for the surgery. And uh, when she arrived, and we admitted her, it turned out that her temperature went very high and she was coming from a place with reported cases. So at that point, she was a real suspected case. And they had to report it according to our national protocols. Her samples had to be taken and I had to wait forever <laughs> for the results to come. In fact, that night I had to call uh, Dr. Rada Hackman, who is on the line here. And in my point of distress, I've even spoken to Dr. Amma Edwin. And at this first case, which potentially was going to be the Ghana's first COVID case, because she had she's, um, met all the criteria and was just coming to me for uh, a gynae surgery and while i came home I, I usually drive to work with my wife and when we met at the car i was going to take her home as usual i said no this is what's happening i may just be making history as the first doctor to bring COVID to ghana she was like what so now she had to sit at the back of the car she had to roll all windows down i have to use a max she has to use a max and then we have to drive home and then right from then, once we got into our compound, I had to be separated from the family. My kids wanted to come close. She said, no, don't get close. And we had to develop something we call an air hack, where we observe the social distancing and then show the guest salary we are hugging. And that's how I've been doing with my kids since then. So the, the fears are real. Um, I, just now I have a close member, a close working colleague tested positive. And I've been going through my mind, playing back to see my last encounter with a person. Is it within a period where I need to be tested? The public health people are assessing our risk. So, yes, the fears are there. But as uh, Dr. Day stated, this is what we've signed up for. And we just have to um, um, live by it. So as a surgeon, as a gynecologist, for that matter, I've had my own encounters. Patients that we've had to have them being sampled every now and then. And then you will come to realization that you breach any protocol in this entire process. So, yes, yeah, those, those fears exist in my practice. Titus, let's talk about your faith in God. Has, has it been impacted by this experience you described? Yes, I think rather the impact has been positive. Um, of course, as a, a member of the International Central Gospel Church, we are in a very unique season now. And I think it gives me confidence and uh, being more prayerful now, taking part in our 40 days of power. I pray a lot and just hoping that God will preserve us through this uh, pandemic. But it has been. And I think the effect has been more positive because you get to a point where you realize that basically you can't do anything but to just count on God. And you, you observe all the protocols. And this is a disease you cannot even see the people who have it sometimes. And by, by the very way in which we work, the time somebody is raised, as uh, the, the flags are raised as a suspected case, there has been a lot of exposure. And I have to be playing back, trying to see what have you done wrong, what have you done right, what's your level of exposure. And at those points, the only thing you can do is just to trust God. And I think that if anything at all, uh, this pandemic has rather strengthened my faith and increased my faith. Couple the type of messages of encouragement we keep getting that there is something positive out of this. I only look towards that and hoping that at the end of it something really positive will come out for me, my family, and for us as a nation and even as a continent. Titus, permit me to thank you on behalf of, of Ghana and on behalf of your patients and on behalf of all those that you sacrifice for on a weekly, daily, and a monthly basis. And as I keep saying, you may not get to see them to tell you themselves how much they appreciate you, but Team Springboard would like to thank you, thank your wife, thank your family for lending you to us and, 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 and to appreciate you for the sacrifice. 
We'll be joined very shortly by Dr. Nanadas Gansa from the U.S., giving us a Ghanaian's perspective of life on the other side and how they are managing the same situation. But let me go for a brief um, commercial break. When I come back, let's also hear from someone whose side of this is very interesting because as a pediatrician, Dr. Dela Adjusi has to tell parents that their children are positive and has to explain to children that they are positive. That is incredible. Please don't go away. So everyone says I'm a Kosia filler, but it's not like I'm nosy. Oh, go out to find out the latest filler. It's just that I get 50 megabytes of data free after paying for only the first minute of every call. And so I just keep discovering stuff minute after minute. That's how come I was minding my business, scrolling through my timeline, and I found out Coco has a new baby. Hmm. Oh, and lastly, I learned Ken won the lottery. You see, Ken is my brother's friend. So hello. Look who's about to vote with the rich and famous. <laughs> Enjoy even more value with MTN Free After One. You only pay for the first minute of your call on MTN Free After One. And the rest is free. Plus, you enjoy free 50 megabytes worth of data to browse your favorite sites. Compare where? Open there. So dial star 315 hash to sign up. We pay for you everywhere you go. Terms and conditions apply. When you don't have the Enterprise Advantage app, you're not in control. Boss. Yes, I could see. I'm at where they sell the coats. What size do you like? Ah, what coats? Coat, coat, office coats. Ah, I said get me a coat. Quotation from Enterprise. Ah, you pa. Oh, what coat? Save yourself from the stress. Take advantage of the Enterprise Advantage app. Make your claims, check statements, request for a coat, and buy a policy from any of our subsidiaries. What's more, you can also get health tips, traffic information, find mechanic shops, and more on your Enterprise Advantage app. Download the Enterprise Advantage app on Google Play and Apple Store now. Here is to 95 years of trust. Enterprise, your advantage. was established in 1972 as the premier bank for the corporate and private sector in Ghana. From our very beginning, as the only Ghanaian bank serving all categories of businesses, we set a standard for excellence and innovation over the past 45 years. We've built a financially healthy and strong bank, demonstrated our commitment to our customers and to growing businesses, and exhibited originality and innovation at every turn. At UMB, our focus is built around people, service, products, and technology. These are the key to our present success and our future triumphs. At UMB, we're poised to make a difference not only with our customers, but also in the banking industry. We invite you to share in our future. Our future starts now with you. How do you intend to sustain yourself when you retire? My children will take care of me when I'm retired. <laughs> I am a professional. I can work till 80. <laughs> Some people leave their retirement to chance. How are you planning yours? Your attitude today can help you avoid struggling to survive when you retire. With 50 Ghana City's monthly investment in the Axis Pension Plan, you can accumulate 700,000 Ghana cities in 30 years. This investment will guarantee you retirement income that far exceeds your current income. Visit www.agsuspension.com to sign up or call 0302-543-287 or 0544-321-966 for details. Suspension Trust, your reliable partner in pensions. It's 11 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock and don't forget that at 8 o'clock we receive from the president the um, update, the, the presidential address comes on at 8 p.m. Now, let's find out the perspective of Dr. Della Josie, who's a pediatrician, um, recorded earlier about how to deal with children who are infected and, and his perspective. Please, Ngoi. I was invited to join the COVID-19 team at the national level very early on in, in our management process. And for me personally, I had no hesitance in joining them as a pediatrician primarily because I particularly like to get myself involved in emergency situation and I do a lot of volunteer medical work as well. And so this was really a call to action and to serve the nation. The challenge, however, was how my family was going to take all of this. So I had an initial conversation with my wife and uh, she was more than happy to let me join the national team. 
But when I suggested to her that it would be risky for us to be living in as a family during the period and that she should move out and go and live with my parents, with the, my two daughters who are two and four years, she blatantly refused. And after much back and forth, we compromised on the children going to live with their grandparents and she living with me. Life at the center has gone through some transformations from the initial apprehensions to the excitement of being part of something very important. It's also sad when some of your colleagues fall in battle, as you put it, because then it gets your, it sets some form of anxiety in your family as to whether you are you are safe, whether you should withdraw, and, and so on and so forth. But thankfully, my, my family has remained supportive and I continue to soldier on. On one or two occasions, I've had to uh, speak to parents on the phone about the COVID status of their children. And it's, it's, it's not been easy for the parents um, and for the whole home situation, especially when maybe one of the parents is infected and then just maybe one or two of the kids are also infected, how it affects their family dynamics. And then also having to balance that with work and other related activities. I guess it's even tougher when these are children of your own colleague doctors. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Della Ajisi, I know you're listening from, from on duty tonight, but let me say a big thank you to you also for your sacrifice and your commitment. How do you tell a parent about their child's COVID status and the disruption increase in the family? Children, part infected, part not infected. It's not easy. Let me cross over to Kentucky in the United States and bring on Dr. Nana Dazigansa and find out if the things we described in Ghana are similar to the experience in the U.S. Dr. Gansa, give me a brief um, summary of your own experience and whether what we are seeing here is similar to what you are seeing in St. Joseph's Hospital in the U.S., in Kentucky. Um, Albert, I just want to say it's it's just amazing listening to um, the uh, experiences of all those doctors back at home. And I, I want to say uh, congratulations and for, for, for the dedication with which they work. Um, St. Joe's, uh, thanks be to God, hasn't seen uh, that, that, that sort of storm of patients other hospitals have seen, but we, we see our fair, fair share. Um, and the fear, the fear factor is real. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story that sort of illustrates it. It's lunchtime. I'm, I'm in the doctor's dining room. And uh, a colleague comes over and sits across from me at the table. And uh, he tells me, um, I I really don't know what to do. And I said, what happened? He said, "Uh, I saw a patient in the office three days ago, and uh, we just got his COVID results back, and they are positive. And uh, he's talking to me at that particular point in time. I lost all my appetite, and I I just couldn't eat anymore. Um, So there was no... There was a possibility I didn't be infected, and there he was sitting across from me, telling me this, um, not intentionally, but quite kind of distraught about what the possibility could be, since he had young children. There was there I was across from him, also uh, totally worried. Um, to cut a long story short, uh, he got tested and he was fine. But as long as you work in a hospital anywhere and you take care of COVID patients as a doctor, it doesn't matter what specialty you are. Uh, you are at risk. And when you're an anesthesiologist like I am and you have to intubate patients on a daily basis and some of them are emergencies, some of them don't have their results back and you are constantly in their face, uh, putting a laryngoscope in your mouth, opening it, putting a tube down there, and you're doing this several times a day, you you finish the day and you, you don't know whether you got it or not and it's every day. Um, so, so that fear... That fear thing, it's real. Um, but you wake up every morning and you just go to work and you do it again and you come back home and you you do the air hug and you take a shower and you keep your distance and you hope you're fine. 
General, let me say a big thank you to you as well. Uh, obviously, there's, there's so much more that we'd like to explore. But next week, we'll do a part two of the show and then also bring on board other health professionals to bring the perspective of the nurses, the pharmacists, the the, the lab technicians. And it was, it's going to be a very interesting journey as you try to understand. The, Priscilla will lead that effort because Priscilla, who is part of the Springboard team, is herself right at the front line. And she's a Chelsea supporter. And please, Priscilla, no matter what you say, after laughing at me last week, you are way behind us on the league table. But let's stick with medicine. Let me give the closing thoughts to one minute, rather, and then let Dr. Edwin take us home on this journey. Rada, one minute, your closing thoughts to... Home on this journey. Rada, one minute, your closing thoughts... Your closing thoughts um, on this subject matter that we've discussed in just a minute, please. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thanks, Albert. Um, well, now that we're seeing a lot more symptomatic cases, um, the, the fear is still there. I tell you, the fear is still there. For me, um, keeping myself and my staff safe remains my priority. Keeping my patients safe is also, you know, a big priority of mine. Um, every time we test and we get a positive or we get positives, um, I personally do the calls myself to let them know that they're positive. It's not the easiest thing to do. Some take it very calmly. Others are quite, you know, hysterical. But um, we get through it. We make sure that the district, you know, team gets involved. And they take over their management. Um, it's... Um, we're, we're in it, and I think we're in it for the long haul. My waiting room now has COVID patients. They come with flu symptoms. We test them. They're positive. So for me, it's almost a daily thing now. Right, let me say a big thank to you to you. Let me say a big yeah. thank you to you for your sacrifice. We definitely will do this again, and we, there's so okay. much more that we want to find out. And we are hoping that apart from appreciating you, getting to understand the life behind the scenes will help us, one, uh, demystify the work that you do just so people can understand the the person behind the professional and then hopefully ultimately also help fight stigma so thank you so much for your contribution to this discussion rather thank you albert thanks for having me and thanks for the sacrifice that you make on a daily basis god bless you richly thank you dr edwin you've had to at a point be calmed so the calmer had to be calmed what will be your closing thoughts in a minute dr amadin my what, what will be your closing thoughts in this discussion? We just have a minute to go. What will be your closing thoughts on this discussion um, as we look at m- behind the scenes and the medical practitioners and COVID 19? Okay, thank you. Um, a lot of medical practitioners, doctors, nurses, pharmacists are giving their best. Unfortunately, many are also getting infected. Ghana has quite a number. The recorded case of Ghana, of healthcare workers in Ghana who have been infected on record now is 2,000 and nine of them have died. And yet, we still go out there and give our, our best. Fear is part of life. What I would like to say is we shouldn't let fear paralyze us. And we should also look out for ourselves. People do. And I think one person I really want to say thank you to who's been like an angel sent to me by God is Dr. Susan Siabi of the UGMC. To know, I mean, that people are there looking out for each other. That body system is the way to go. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder. La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. You shouldn't be isolated as a healthcare worker. And it is okay to feel overwhelmed. It is okay to feel I'm afraid. Recognize your point and take time. Because if you don't and you realize that you are getting to the state where you can't function and you keep functioning, you're going to make mistakes and affect other people and infect other the people in the process so give off your best but when you need to take time off to take time off and take care of us thank you so much dr edwin and that's all time will permit us i I like the note on which you ended and we want to say a big thank you to you and god richly bless you as you stay on the front line and do your very best for god and for country so a big thank you to all our professionals who have been with us today, Dr. Amachirwa Edwin, Dr. Titus Bayo, Dr. Jifade, 
and then Della Ajosi, and of course Rada Hackman and Dr. Joseph Nanadazi Gansa from the USC. Let's do this again next week in part two and explore more about the front line in the battle against COVID-19. My name is Albert Comfort. We have done more about the appreciations, but definitely let's do that again next week. All right, so let's let's greet you, Dr. Nanai Chayao. You'll be on the Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.